Okay, so I guess uh, we'll start. Parashas Noach is extremely mysterious. We're going to be looking a bit at the most mysterious part of it, which is Migdal Bovel at the end. But again, the way we're looking at it, if we're calling it Avodah Saparsha, so we have to pay attention. The Posseg in Hazinu that says, Binu Shnoz Dor Vador. Think deeply about the generations. Chazal said that refers to Dor HaMabul and Dor HaPalaga, the door of Migdal Bovel, the Tower of Babel, and all of that. Now, looking at it from the surface, you say, oh, how much do you have to think about it? I mean, people were really bad, Hashem made a flood. People got together and made this tower that Hashem didn't like, so he mixed them up. Moving on. So clearly, number one, Torah is Torah's Chaim. The Torah doesn't come to tell us just things that happened. It's only telling us things that we can learn from and that apply to us, meaning there's still an issue of a mabul, and we still need a teva, an ark, to survive the mabul, both nationally and personally. There's still an issue of migdal bovel, and we still have to see the dangers that were there and the lessons that we can learn from it. So I want to start just by reading a strong reaction from one of the great Lithuanian Rosh Hashivas, Yosef Yudalei Bloch of Tells, who said that he heard a certain... Rabbi speaking about Dora Palaga, the door of uh, Migdal Bovel, and he said, Yeah, well, it's because Hashem doesn't want people to get together too much and have Achtus and Shalom, because if there's all this Shalom, they're going to say, Right, what do they need Hashem for? <laughs> right, that, was his, that was his approach. You know, God wanted us to be dependent on Him. People were getting it together too much, so we had to do that. He says, How small-minded this outlook is. He says, He says, people that say a drusha like that, how much they, they dwarf, everything which is lofty and grand and great. I remember Rosh Hashiva Baron Shechter once at a Shabbos meal, it was Parshish Breshis, so somebody asked him, he said, um, how could it be that the snake could talk? If you speak to any speech professional, in order to speak, you need a certain shape of palate and tongue and mouth, and the snake doesn't have that. So the Rosh Hashiva calmly flipped through to the Ramban, and he read this description that the Nochash is something called the Nochash Elyon. This force, right, the Yetzirah is the Nochash, is the Satan, etc., which is described as a Nochash. So the fellow told him, I guess that means I'm not getting an answer. Then he got upset. Right? He said, why do you have to take things that are vast and try to shrink them into the dimensions of your small mind? Right? We're supposed to expand outwards ourselves as opposed to trying to shrink everything into there. That's what Bloch is saying here. He says, we have to know we have to know how much there is in these things. He says, otherwise, you're ignoring what the Chachamim say. The Chachamim say that their sin in the Tower of Bovel, the Dora Paloka, was worse than that of the Mabul. Right? We also have to see why it is that their punishment wasn't the same of the Mabul. Right? These descriptions that Rashi brings that sound to us like childish and primitive. We're going to make a tower and go up and make war with Hashem. Or it looks like every thousand or so years there might be a flood, so we have to build a support system for the sky so it doesn't flood. And we see it here thinking that we're so smart and laughing at these primitives doing this. Obviously, this wasn't primitive. If the Torah wrote this, these were very real and powerful things that they were trying to do. 
to the extent that it says in the Pesach, right, Vayered Hashem, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, came down, and Rav Bloch points out that what's used there in a somewhat unique way in Sefer Bereshis was the Shem Yudke Vovke, meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu's primal rutzen for the world, had to intervene there in terms of what was happening. So the bottom line on what was going on there and what was happening was that Elohim, the name Elohim, we were made in Tselem Elohim, in the image of God. Well, so um, the name Elohim is the only one which can be used for other things, right? Lifnei Elohim, it can be judges. We'll call idols Elohim Acherim, right? We'll call them foreign gods. Right? And the Nefesh Chaim explains that we were called Selem Elohim specifically because Elohim means Baal Kol Kulam, that one who has all of the powers. And he says that's this frightening picture of the power of man. We were given power in this world that it can go this way or that way. So, I saw Rabbi Shapira said this also, we, we really have forgotten much of what the power of what a human being can do. The understanding of people in that generation was much greater about the spiritual nature of the world and how one could connect with it, how one could even try to utilize it for different things. Rav Bloch says you have to look at the parallel. Let's look at the laws of nature. Those we're all kind of familiar and comfortable with. Hashem created the system of gravity. Now, I can go up on my mirpeset with a grand piano, and there's a person I don't like walking down there, so I can use gravity to drop that grand piano on that person. Now Hashem said, thou shalt not drop grand pianos on your friend's head. The equivalent is there, right, in the Torah. And yet, the gravity that he created, I can use for something he told me not to do. Now, when we look at certain spiritual phenomena, he says there's a parallelism in worlds, just like there's a world of nature, and the laws of nature can be learned and utilized as man wants them to for the good or for the opposite. There's a spiritual nature also that people who understand it can take advantage of and use, and that was what was happening at that time with the Dora Palaga. Rabbi Moshe Shapira said, when HaKadosh Baruch speaks in the Torah and saying, you know, that this shouldn't be able to happen if I do not, you know, mix up their languages, they will not be prevented from doing what they want. He said that was absolutely true. They had such spiritual power and such spiritual knowledge. They would be able to um, separate this world in certain ways from its spiritual sources. So let's look at a second at some examples of this idea of the spiritual nature before we take a look at the most powerful tool or one of the most powerful tools that they were using. Rav Bloch brings, he says, he heard it from a reliable source when he was young back and tells in the name of the Vilna Gon that if you have a burglar who before he goes in to burgle the house comes and takes a parak of Tilim. And then he says, please help me get into the house easily and quickly and pick the locks and find the valuables without anybody waking up and get away and sell them for a good price, amen, kenyi, rotsan, etc. That will help him. That will help him. 
But Hashem said, Lo tigzal. But tefillah, there's a spiritual nature to the world. A person who davens, or he says, if the ganav has bitochen, that he will succeed, he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do anything, he can help me succeed, I rely upon him, that can increase his chances of success. It's there in the world. There are a variety of, uh, of other examples he brings. Rebchaim Shem Levitz points out an interesting one, so to speak, in the negative side. Okay, there's a, a frightening story, for any married man at least, in the Gemara and Ksuvas. It says, Rav Rechume used to travel away to learn, and, but he used to come home like clockwork every year on Erev Yom Kippur. Right? And um, right, he says, Rav Chaim points out, he says, specifically on Erev Yom Kippur, because a person has to come back and take care of all his Bain Avram Lechavero issues. Yom Achad, right? Mashkachte Shmaitse. One year he really got into the sugya, and having Mesachi the Beso, and his wife was looking out to see when is he coming. Hashtaosi, Hashtaosi, he's got to be coming now. Lo Asa. Yom Kippur came in and he didn't arrive. Chosh Daito, she felt bad. Ochis dim Asa me'ene, a tear dripped down from her eye. Havayosiv be'igra. Or Vachumi was learning in an attic someplace, in a loft. He says, The ceiling broke and crushed him, and he died. Okay, now Rav Chaim asks on this the question that really we would all ask. Rav Chume, it was, it was almost against his will. He forgot. Right? Again, try to explain it to your wife. It doesn't always go so good. But like, he, was, he was engrossed in learning, and he simply lost track of the time. And what good does that do for his wife? Originally, she had a husband who was late. Now she has a late husband, right? It's just, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, would she want that to happen? It doesn't sound like she would want that to happen. But he says, this shows us the power of damage on the spiritual nature of the world. There is a reaction to pain which is caused. And that's why Chazal say to be especially careful of a woman's tears. Okay, Dimasa Matsuya. Now you have to be very careful with that. I saw one of the Bali Musars said when it said that women's tears are easily found, men would tend to describe that, oh, Chazal say that women are crybabies. So that's not what it is. Imagine that we have a machine that can measure pain. So if you would put that machine on the finger of a woman who's crying and see where the needle goes, he says, if you put that machine now on a man and you crank it up to the same level of pain that the woman was feeling, the man will also cry. It's just that she's more sensitive and more in touch with those feelings. But a tear which is caused in a way that it shouldn't, he says, brings a reaction to the world. In fact, the entire Dor HaMabul, that was what was happening. I saw the Salaam Rebbe said, you have to understand, the Mabul was not a punishment, the Mabul was a result. Right? It's uh, as if a person pours bleach into his cup of coffee and say, oh no, I've been punished for pouring bleach into my coffee and now I made it not drinkable. Right? The result of your pouring bleach into your coffee made it the chamas, all of the wrongdoings of the Dor HaMabu polluted nature to the extent that it couldn't continue to go on. What do you mean polluted? Right? Why should it affect the Amazon rainforest if they're stealing from each other? Because there's a spiritual nature in the world. 
And in that world, that type of pollution destroys the world. So now we get to the lesson we have to learn and the positive one. Also, as the doors went on, the life expectancy shrank. Because the environment became polluted. Correct. The people were not what they, what they were. And that's why, like we said, at this generation, people had understandings that were beyond our imagination. Right? He was talking about Rav Bloch and his generation in the late 1800s, early 1900s. People became very arrogant and felt that nobody knew anything beforehand and they're the only ones who know things. He says, where it's clear if you look that there are still many untapped secrets that we don't understand that previous civilizations were able to do and the many things that are in the world that have not yet been dipped into. But here, the spiritual power that protected the Dora Palaga, the door of Migdal Bavel, it says that they were Safa Achasudvarim Achodim. They were one language and the same words. There was unity. There was unity among them. They had a unified purpose. Okay, now that purpose was quite negative. Okay, with all the different explanations that are there, right, the, the more Kabbalistic ones really boil down to the fact that they were hoping to get away from Hashem's Hashgacha of the world. They felt that the fact that they were given Tzelem Elohim, they were given the power, so much power in this world, power that we don't really imagine that much anymore, and the fact that they spoke Lashon HaKodesh, which is really the DNA of the universe, right? That Moshe Shapiro said it couldn't have been done with any other language. It was the fact that they had access to the source code of the universe, that they were doing this, the power of unity in the spiritual nature of the world required that intervention from HaKadosh Baruch Because if the world were to go, even according to its spiritual nature, they would have been able to take the world off track. Right? They would have been able to separate it from where it was supposed to be. Now, obviously, the world is never Hefker. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in that appearance of the name Yudke Vovke there, means that the Ratzon Elyon, the overriding will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, stepped in, so to speak, and had to step in. But they harnessed the power of unity. Now, the power of unity, obviously, is on everybody's minds now. Right? We do see some nice phenomena of unity right, taking place, unfortunately, due to difficult circumstances. But there's the famous Chazal that says, why is it that the generation of Achav were successful in war, whereas the generation of David HaMelech was not? It says, because the generation of David had Dilturin, had tail-bearers, whereas the generation of Achav didn't. They had unity. They didn't. Now, wait a second. The generation of Achav, of the Avodah they murdered Hashem's Nevim. Nonetheless, in the spiritual nature of the world, unity gives a power and a power to be able to succeed. The Zara Kodesh says this in many, many quotes, right? Just a few of them. It says, Vayom Hashem, right? He said, What will stop them? Mishum Shem Kulam Ke'echod, right? Yatzlichu B'Masayim. Because they are all as one, they'll be successful. Right? It says, Right? One nation with one language. It says, Because they were belev echod, their hearts were unified. Rotson echod. They had one desire and goal. Medabrim belashon hakodesh. Then lo yibotzer mehem kalashay bolasas. Yozmulasas. They will not be stopped. 
Rabbi Yossi said, a lesson taking it a bit more down the Maisa to us. Mikan nishma shekol elu bali machlokis ein lahem kiyum. Something which is based on machlokis simply cannot continue to exist. Shari calls mancha b'nei olam him elu him elu beratzum echad v'leiv echad that as long as the people of the world were together with one goal and one heart, even though they were rebelling against HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they didn't get a punishment like the Dor They were scattered. That was simply prevented. Avos Rabbi Nosson says, right, that a person is supposed to be like Aaron Akoin, Oyves Abrios, he said, Dora Palogo, this generation of Migdal Bovum, we tell Sheovin, Zezel, Rotsa, Kurishbroch, Abdon, Mina Olam. Akurishbroch didn't want to destroy them. These people who were trying this rebellion against him, but look how nicely they get along. He didn't want to destroy them. La Pazron, he scattered them. Anshes Dom, whose problem was Benonim La Chavero, burnt and flattened. So this teaches us the tremendous power, the objective power, if you want to call it, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu set up in his world of achtus, even among people that are doing other negative things, even rebelling against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's so powerful. Now, what we might think about is, wait a second, right? what about the other Midrashim? There are some other Midrashim. There's the Midrash that says that when a brick would fall from the tower, everyone would cry. When a person would fall and die, they would kind of just step over him because they were focused on the project and they didn't care about the particular person. We also see in many Sfarim that what appears to be achtos among Rishoyim can't really be. Okay? In other words, only Hashem is echod in the world. I saw an interesting thing from Vichil Michal Tukachinsky, right? There's a Shiva of Eitz So he had a little kuntras that he wrote about right? that bracha that's made on the sun in the 23-year cycle. And in there, he had a little bit that he wrote about approaches to science, etc. And he said there are you know, different types of scientists. Some scientists, that the more they discover, the more arrogant they become. Some, the more they discover, the more humble they become. He said, in his generation, one of the great quests was to find the ultimate smallest particle. That particle, which is the building block of all things. But he says, they never do. You find the atom, but then you're able to discover that the atom is made up of electrons and protons and neutrons, and those are made of quarks and all sorts of other things that I don't understand. But everything that we think is finally the smallest thing that cannot be subdivided, always can be subdivided. He says that's an illustration of the fact that the only thing that's echad in the world is Hashem. That's the only oneness which is. So therefore, only true oneness can be the type of oneness we express in Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echod. So what then is the power of their oneness if, if it's fake? If, if it's based on something that has no eternity, has no kiyum? So here we learn a very important lesson in these type of powers of Ruchnis. In a sefer called Rashi B'tzomim, quoted here by the Racham Strifka Rebbe, I don't remember who the Rashi B'tzomim is, he said, he said, a murder de kavort, is the way he described it. Right, that they were all unified. And Rashi says the difference between Dora Mabel and Dora Palogo. 
is the Torah Mabel Nishchayvu Kuyum Kloya, right? Instead of the Dora Paloga, because in the Dora Mabel, their din was sealed because of Gezel and Machlokis among them. Dora Paloga, they had this oneness to teach us the greatness of Shalom that protected them. Now the Rashi B'Sorim says, wait a second. He says, it really makes sense that these people, people who are rebelling against HaKadosh Baruch Hu, didn't have true achtus deep in their hearts. It must have just been artificial achtus, like that medrash implies with the brick. For the cause, right, it, it's there. It's like oftentimes the world of manners, right? It, manners aren't necessarily a sign that a person is a bal chesed or that a person has good midas. Sometimes it's just a sign that he understands that life moves along nicer when people interact well. That was a famous argument Brian Cutler had with some uh, Yekeshe Jews, some German Jews, about the, uh, they say, back in Europe already, that they were praising the manners of the German people. And now the Eastern European Jews, you know, just a bit too coarse and they don't, not as refined as the Germans. And he said that he felt that that was all external and you would be surprised to see what's under it. And he met them after the war and they understood, right, which, which was there. So there can certainly be this idea of external niceness. Nonetheless, it is a nice thing to say good morning to people, to smile at people, etc. Um, it was interesting. I, I knew a Rav in New York, by Lieb. He, he, he once talked, he was a Talmud of Rav Huttner for many years, but he also loved the Svarim of Rav Volbe, and he was trying to speak about the different approaches to Musa. Because Rav Huttner didn't emphasize right, the classic Musr right, in that way. Rav Huttner would teach deep pieces to help you understand Am Yisrael, the world, the human being, etc. And there wasn't really that frontal Musr. So he said, he said, Rav Huttner never told the Talmidim, you have to be careful to say good morning to people right, when you go out. Why? Because he wanted to teach them what an Adam is. And if they would understand what an Adam is, they would by themselves say good morning and it would be an entirely different good morning. He said, the approach of the other Bali Musa would be, okay, but until this guy understands Rav Huttner's concept of the Adam, he's going to be a rude young man and he has to be told what to do. So there is the, the balance in between the two. So certainly there's, there's value for things which are external. I once heard someone, I think he was quoting from the Zohar Kodesh, that if there's an argument between husband and wife and Shabbos comes, even though it hasn't been smoothed over, if you can put on the happy face and make peace and not, you know, ignite the fire, that's a tremendous mila. They're still angry with each other. The issue's still there. But if you can do it, okay? So therefore, he says, what do we learn from this? Afal pichen godol hashalom. As we said, the spiritual nature of the world is that even if it's false, even if it's fake, even if it's external, even if it's for an ulterior motive, achtus is powerful. Hashem set up the world that way. Right? And again, now in these times of war, there are some cynical voices and unfortunately may have some truth to them saying, okay, you know, it's really nice. We've been through this before. In hard times, people get really nice and they volunteer and they take care for each other. And what can I do for you? And how can I daven for these? And how can we daven for those? 
we've been there, we've done that. As soon as it kind of calms down, the knives will come out. Everybody's going to go at each other again in the same machlokas, etc. We hope that that won't be true. But even if it were, the achdus that we have now is valuable. Even if it's simply something that, yes, an external factor, a terrible external factor, brought that out in us and caused us to behave differently among each other, to set aside the machlogsin and the differences, to see each other, to care, to think, what can I do for other people? It's valuable. And its value lasts forever. We shouldn't make the mistake in Ruchnius ever of thinking that something that doesn't go the distance was, was worthless. Okay, this is a beautiful pshat. They say, as Stipler said, on the, the Chazal, the Chavetz Chaim brings it down from the Vilna Gon. For every moment and moment that a person keeps his mouth shut when he has the urge to say Lashon Hara, he will merit that hidden light that no Malach can even access. So the Stipler asked, why does he use that strange phrase? For every moment and moment, that he keeps his mouth closed. Why don't you just say, for not speaking Lashon Hara, right then you get the Oragonos. He says, because it's not talking about someone who didn't speak Lashon Hara. It's talking about someone who did. But he held off for 20 minutes. For 20 minutes, his neighbor was nudging him. What happened? What, what happened? Why, 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 why did the Rav leave the show? What's, what's going on? And uh, this, you're not going to say that. Okay, I'll tell you. After 20 minutes, you gave him. He said, those 20 minutes shine for eternity. For each minute of those 20 minutes, you get the oragonos. That's never going to be taken away from you. It doesn't matter that it fell later. So too, achdus. It's powerful, even if it's destined to fall apart later. We shouldn't say, why should I even bother? It's not going to last. Why should I even bother? I know that it's only external factors making people behave this way. What we learn from Migdal Bovel is that it is valuable and that it's always valuable. The Rishna Rebbe said, right, in a similar vein, it says, they were Sofa Achas Udvarim Sofa Achas can mean from the lip and outwards, right? External, it was a show. When they spoke to each other, everything was unified. One was more arrogant than the other. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took care of it, he said, by Hova Nerdo Venoblo Shom Svasam. I will go down there and write a very strange lesson for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to use. He says, and therefore, he says, since their hearts and mouths weren't in sync and they were arrogant, when the Shekhinah is present, it says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says about an arrogant person, I cannot dwell in the same place as an arrogant person. So this idea of the scattering of the people of Bavel wasn't that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had this big hurricane that sent them flying off in the wind. It was simply they could not be there when the president of the Shekhinah was there because they were Bali Gaiva. One of the visions of Rebbe's, I think it was Chaim Meir vision, it said that's why he loved going to the Kotel. Why did he love going to the Kotel? Because Chazal said, that the Shechina never left the Kosala Marovi. He says, and Chazal tell us that about an arrogant person, so if I come to the Kotel 
and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's not going anywhere, he has to help me with my arrogance. He's going to make me more humble because that's the only way we can be there together. Okay, so, so these things are very real. They're very powerful the, on the positive side, on the negative side, but we have to see that the positive side is so positive that it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile even between two people, even if it's not a big unity movement. Nowadays, everything has to be big, right, and splashed out there, and we've got 20,000 people to sing Hine Matov Manoim together for victory in the war. That's beautiful. But just two people even, being Ba'achtus, right, is able to have that tremendous power that can change the world for the better. This is the lesson that we have here now, and hopefully in the Schus of the Achtus it's there. May we hear Besaras Tovas and experience Yeshua's Venachamas Bimheravya Menu.